would Jakey Bear please come to the office? Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. Welcome back to Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now today, I'm excited to have on some returning guests, Jake Hunley and Cody C. of Evergrow Marketing. And these guys brought a wealth of knowledge to the last podcast we thought we'd have them back on to talk about a little bit further. And today, we answer the question, do you even need a website for your landscape business? We start breaking down whether you should worry about SEO first or Facebook ads first. And we also talk about Google's newest feature, the local service ads. So you're not going to want to miss today's episode. Now, just a quick reminder, if you have ever hopped in a Facebook group and asked the question, what should I charge for this or how much should I charge for that? Then you need to check out the Million Dollar Academy because inside the Academy, we're going to help you learn your business's numbers so you can create a profitable estimate every single time based on your numbers, not some competitors down the road or some competitors across the country. So definitely check out the Million Dollar Academy. Now, again, you are not going to want to miss today's episode. It's an awesome episode, but a little quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, I'm excited to have on some repeat guests here today, Jake Hunley and Cody C of Evergrow Marketing. Now, these guys are awesome at doing websites and all that stuff. These guys have been featured in landscape magazines, which include Lawn and Landscaping, Turf, and even Green Industry Pros. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being on the show again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Same. Yeah, excited. So if you guys could just a little bit talk a little bit about yourself, let us know, you know what you are, what you guys have been doing, everything, because you guys been doing all kinds of stuff, like I said, in these magazines, again, on a podcast and everything. So give us a little introduction. Yeah. So uh, we're a landscaping and lawn care digital marketing company. We always say we're a performance-based company. So we there are a lot of marketing companies out there that will you know help you with your logo or you know branding or design. We don't. If your goal is to get leads and have them be quality while also just kind of handing off your digital marketing to somebody else while you actually work in the field and, and maintain your business, then we're your partners. We're industry specific to landscaping and lawn care, but we do have clients that kind of break the norm, you know, other contractor type clients. But the main reason we stick with the green industry is because we have all of this data from all kinds of clients all over the country and really all over the world that we can run and optimize campaigns that start right away. And we don't have to figure out what the industry terminology is. You know, we're not putting pictures and content on your site that don't make sense for you. So being really niche and and specific is what really separates us from a lot of companies. So today we kind of want to take a step back in people that are looking to get into websites and kind of talk about some of the structure and, you know, what you should be doing first. And, you know, should you even have a website? Because a lot of landscapers I see on like our landscape business owners Facebook group, they talk about, ah, you don't need a website or I just need Google my business or it's actually not Google my business anymore. It's, uh, yeah. Google, Google business profile. Yeah. They just change it. Yeah, they change it like every two years. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, I just kind of want to talk about that. So. You guys mind let me know what your thoughts are about having a website and versus just Google and all that stuff? Yeah. I like to start off by always telling people, you really don't need a website. 
it depends on what your goals are. If you if you want to grow and you want to be like your podcast, Million Dollar Landscaper, you're probably going to need a website. Mm -hmm. And it's never any of the million dollar companies that are saying you don't need a website. So you don't need it if you're okay with just kind of being your solo operator and, you know, that's your goal. But the majority of traffic and, and leads are moving to search engines like Google and sometimes Bing. But uh, when people are looking for landscaping or lawn because they're looking on Google, we covered this in the last podcast episode too. And you can get away with, with your, your Facebook business page, but it's not going to rank over a website. And you're likely not going to get featured in the local map pack. So if your goal is to really get to that next level, then you should really consider having a website that is optimized to a point to capitalize on that traffic. One thing I really like about you guys, too, is, is you tell people straight out that if you're looking for results like by tomorrow, you're not going to get that. This is something you have to kind of build into and, and, you know, SEO and all that stuff kind of ties together. That's one thing I really like about you guys. Yeah, we've been on a really big campaign of telling people just how to do things, too, like if you don't want to pay for us, we'll, I mean, we'll tell you how to do it. Just read our blog posts. We pretty much give everything away. And um, we tell some of our clients the same things when, when they're considering writing blog posts too. I brought up this example in the last episode, but uh, you know, if someone's going to learn how to build a retaining wall, they're going to learn how to build it, whether they learn it from you or not. So that's kind of what our mission in your group is, landscaping business owners, is, hey, we're here as a resource. If you don't want to hire somebody, if your question is specifically, how do I optimize my website? We'll tell you how to optimize your website. We're not going to pitch our service. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about the websites and like the website structures and what should really be in your website. You know, I've, I've seen people just have like the one page website or some people have, it's pretty extensive on some of the things. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing with your website is the structure. Um, People get way too bogged down in the content and just, you know, pumping out as much content as possible. What really matters more than content is structure. So it's important to design your website in what's called a pillar page structure. And what a pillar page is, is basically you have a center cluster and off of that cluster page, you have other smaller pages that kind of form that main topic. So you think of it like a hierarchy where if you have a services page that lists all of your services, you would want individual pages for each of those services. You know, a page for landscaping, a page for lawn care, a page for hardscapes. And that is in essence what pillar page structure is. And making sure that you're not getting too granular or not very connected to your pages. The next portion of that is optimizing all of your individual pages. So one, it's understanding that your website has a cohesive structure and then making sure that each of your pages are optimized to match that cohesive structure. In preparation for this, Cody and I, we wrote a 2700 word blog post on how to optimize a page on your website because there are these things called headers and page titles and for headers, there are different types. There's H1s, header ones, and header twos. And the way that I always explain this is it's like a textbook. Your domain or your website is the textbook title. And then you're going to have different chapters. And each of these chapters are your H1s or your, your headers. Now, you'll notice that every chapter only has one chapter title. And that's it. So if your website has more than one header more than one h1 which is a type of font you can use a lot of people will they're on wix or they're on squarespace um you can highlight the text and you can change it to like paragraph text header one header two header three 
those aren't just preloaded font styles. Those are actual HTML signals that tell Google what this tag means. And when you have more of those that's selected as header ones, you're confusing Google and Google no longer cares about this page. So it's having one header one, which should be like your uh, landscaping services in your city. That is your header one. And then you have multiple header twos. And that would break out the main header one. So then you'd have like retaining wall, sod installation, mulch installation, landscape cleanup. Those would be header twos. So how this relates back to pillar page structure is you would then ideally have a header one for every header two you have. So if you have header one landscaping services and you have a header two of retaining walls, ideally you're going to have a page that has a header one of retaining walls. And uh, it's really, it's linking those, understanding your header structure, your page title, and then your basic on-site optimization, on-page optimization. But like I said, it's kind of a rabbit hole. So we did write a whole blog post on that if you want to dive into it. The third and final thing that is really important is your page speed and making sure your website loads. Google just released an update that they've been delaying forever called the Core Web Vitals update where they really focus on the speed of your website, but it's not just the speed, it's actually the code behind it. So even if your website loads super fast, they don't care. If they see duplicate code that doesn't need to be there, they'll ding you for it. And it's not as much penalizing your rank as it is um, not giving you an advantage. So um, it's becoming more and more important and they're basing this off of 3G loading speeds on mobile devices. And they're saying if your website doesn't load good enough for a 3G mobile device, your website isn't good enough to rank in the top 1%. And uh, there's a lot of things you can do on that. I'll probably write a whole other blog post on, hey, here's how to reduce code bloat. It's intermediate. You still don't need to know coding, but it's one of those things where it's, hey, we got to make sure our website loads fast. I actually just did this on my website myself, my personal website. And yeah, seeing some of that stuff that pops up and like, I'm not a website person, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what this means. So it's important to, to at least have some kind of grasp and understanding of it. And that's why I like how you guys are kind of explain it. And you basically teach people right here on your blog post, which is awesome. But it, yeah. it is also important to realize where you're at and what your knowledge is. And you might be better off having somebody like yourself as Cody and, yeah. and, and Jake here to handle that stuff for you. <laughs> In Google, if you go to if you Google page speed insights, that's Google's tool to measure your core web vitals. And they get really technical. They they might say, Hey, your page is loading too much JavaScript. And what they really mean is, hey, you have too many animations on your page. Take them off. It's loading too slow. Or they might say, like, remove duplicate CSS or minify CSS. And what that really means is you're adjusting the font size too much on the page. Just use your theme defaults. Don't constantly add CSS or HTML font size changes. Every time you highlight in Wix, whatever, or or WordPress, every time you highlight a word and you change the font size, you change the color, that adds a snippet of either CSS or HTML. And the more you do that, the more code you add to the page and the slower or the longer it takes Google, your browser to load your website. Do you guys have any tips too, as far as what kind of pages you should have on your website? You know, services, about us, contact us, anything like that? Yeah, so obviously your services have a general services page, but also have individual subservices. We recommend a minimum of four. When you're getting started, we don't want you to get too granular. If you offer landscaping services and you offer, like I said, retaining walls, sod installation, seasonal cleanups, you don't need to start out doing all of those pages. Just start with landscaping, because if you're not careful, you'll run into a thing called keyword cannibalization. And it just basically means that two of your pages are competing for the same words. And instead of running all that traffic to one page as like a really strong ranking signal, you're spreading yourself thinner. 
So if you're not careful and you create too many pages, you could run into that issue. So start more topical. The other thing is uh, there's two other main pages I really consider. The one is your service areas page. Tell people what you service. I can't tell you how many guys come to me and they say, I need help ranking. And then I go to their website and I, I have to Google their area code. And it's usually not a big deal to them because they're driving local traffic to their sites through word of mouth. But at the same time, Google has no idea where you are. They can pick up the area code, but I have a 913 area code on our website and I live in St. Paul and Cody's in Iowa City. Our 913 is Kansas City. So have a service areas page. And in a later episode, we'll tell you to not create service area pages for every single area you service. Just have one that lists all the places you service, have an embedded map from Google Maps that you can create on your own and, um, you know, tell a little bit about how long you've been in that area. The third page is a, uh, is, a is actually a thank you page. <laughs> um, most people don't have these and what they do, and we can talk about this in the, in the next episode, but these are pages that are easily used to track form submissions. So a lot of forms that you work with in different website builders, Wix, Squarespace, WordPress, uh, they have a feature on their forms when you submit that you can redirect the user to another page. And typically it's just a thank you page. Hey, thanks for contacting us. We'll reach out. Why these pages are important is because they're really easy to set up tracking codes in Google Analytics and just say, hey, Google Analytics, if anybody touches this page, we're going to assume that's a form submission. And then you can track your leads. And uh, the reason why that's helpful is when you do start working with a marketing company or you start taking your marketing to the next level, you have some baseline of how your website's performing that you can look back on. The only thing that I would add about pages specifically for services too is so there's seo element about ranking right and that is important but there's also usability there's like diminishing returns right there's levels of importance to each of these but if you have a general service page that has an overview and people want to learn more and you give them more information on subservice pages saying hey here's more details about this particular service it brings them through the funnel too so if you get people who are high up and they visit your site, and you have a general, hey, these are general services, but you don't have a ton of detail. Maybe they're asking for more to go to your competitor who does have that, and they're they're getting that much further down in the funnel, getting that much more information from them. They're ready to pull the trigger for them, but they weren't for you because you didn't give them enough. Actually, on that note, on the funnels, in case somebody's not sure what a funnel is and how it works for a website, you mind explaining that? Yeah, I mean, the general idea is... People, when it comes to consideration, right, uh, and where they are at in the, I'm trying to avoid buzzwords here, <laughs> um, <laughs> just how close they're ready to pulling the trigger on, let's say, a project for landscaping in particular, right? If it's a big, expensive project, especially maybe it's not even the husband in a family that's making this decision. Maybe it's just the wife that's thought of the idea. It hasn't even brought it up financially yet. So maybe she's doing pre-research. So she's very high up the funnel because they're not even, they haven't talked about it. You know, that's a big financial decision. They're going to need to discuss and get a little bit further down. Once they get ready to pull the trigger, make contacts, that sort of thing, we call that lower funnel where they're ready to make decisions and take action. Yeah, and I always tell people, just envision what a funnel is. You know, you're pouring something in. So you're up top, you're gathering as much as you can and it kind of narrows it down and hopefully comes out as a, as a client in the end. Yeah, and you can, different based on different marketing strategies, you can target different people at different stages of the funnel. You don't always just start at the top. But if you have a marketing strategy that starts at the top, you typically have a bigger budget. 
if you're starting at the bottom, you have a smaller budget because it's higher ROI, whereas the top doesn't have as much direct ROI. And in a later episode, we'll talk about attribution of how to, if you're running Facebook ads and then you're running Google ads and someone interacts with both, which one gets credit. But yeah, the, the general philosophy is, is if you run a very top of funnel ad, which is like a Facebook ad or something like that, just awareness, and then the journey that that person takes to slowly end up converting. But a lot of marketers use funnel as if, like term funnel as if it's like some kind of trade secret. And it's not, it's been a term that's been around for centuries. I was actually talking to one of our academy members the other day on the thank you page, for example. And I gave him examples of, you know, after they fill out the form that he has, and uh, he actually has it go through Calendly to set, you know, set up a schedule to meet with him. The thank you page is going to come up and it's going to tell a little bit about, you know, what to expect next. So the customer has an idea of what's going to go and then, you know, and the process. And then they has different things on there that talks about, you know, his business. So they can select whatever they want to, you know, just to kind of make it a little bit fancier than just a thank you. Your contact yeah. has been submitted or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The marketing doesn't stop at the lead. I mean, you've got it. You've got to now nurture that. You know, so we always put on our thank you pages. We'll reach out to you within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. It's like setting the expectation of when we're going to reach out to you. And I let our clients know that, like, hey, by the way, your thank you page says we're going to reach out to you in 24 hours. You need to reach out to them in 24 hours. Yeah. Or if they're a little gun shy, we'll just say soon. <laughs> <laughs> Soon's big. Yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> so now they have a website. Now they want to start looking into you know, SEO or ads, what's your thoughts on, you know, where should they start next? Yeah. So yeah, start with the, the website, a good SEO foundation. And it really depends on where you're at, both physically and in terms of your budget and business. If you build a website in August, let's just pretend you had time in August, <laughs> uh, as most landscapers probably don't, then you're likely to start working in your SEO, maybe like the fall. And let's just say you're in the north, you're, um, you know, you have a winter and you have downtime. And your leads aren't as important for you in the winter. I would say focus on your SEO during the winter and the slower months. Once you have your website built, start understanding what NAP citations are, what local SEO is. We've got a whole blog post on our page about exactly what those are and how to improve your SEO. But let's just say you're a landscaper calling us yesterday and you need a plan immediately because spring is about to hit and people are getting booked up and search queries are spiking. If you build a website at the beginning of the year, let's just say end of winter, beginning of spring, you want a good SEO foundation. So what we talked about in the first 10 or so minutes of this podcast, but you should start considering like a a heavy ad strategy because SEO is going to take four to 12 months to see meaningful results. And this isn't coming from us. This is literally from the mouth of Google. (laughs) On our blog post, anytime we make a claim, we link to the source. And the source is typically Google. So if you read those, especially the one we just wrote, which is how to optimize a website page, you can find that link in there and actually see Google telling you this. So it can take four to 12 months. It can also take a week. It just, it really depends on a lot of factors. But if it's the spring right now, I'm not going to wait four to 12 months to maybe see results. I need leads right now. And this is where ads come into play. It's great to have a great SEO foundation and continually work on that. But if you need ads right now, or if you need leads right now, start the ads on top of that while your SEO is working in the background. Yeah, I think uh, the most important thing with that is just making sure that you are starting with the the foundation. Because, I mean, say you start advertising, but your landing pages suck. <laughs> they load slow. They don't have a good experience, especially on mobile, right? Because more than half, especially for ads, are going to be mobile visitors. 
you're going to burn money. You're going to lose money because your cost per acquisition for a bad experience is going to be that much more expensive. So you're better off just waiting, making sure everything's right, and then putting the ad money there because you'll get more out of it. We talk about this a lot because we hear so many people all the time saying, you got to spend this minimum. It costs this much to see any meaningful results. And when they say that, sometimes... I don't want to say that bad intentions, <laughs> that they're trying to squeeze as much out of you as possible. But if you do things ideally, you can do more with less. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, there's a, like, like what Cody said, that, that was a really good point too. Like your landing pages are, are, if they're bad, they won't convert. And especially on mobile. So in search traffic, generally around all of Google, I think 54% of all the websites are through mobile. In the landscaping industry, from what we found, it's it's like 48% mobile. So it's it's still climbing up. But if you're driving traffic, if you're running a Facebook ad, for instance, like a lot of landscapers are doing right now on their own, and you don't have good mobile landing pages, 90% of Facebook traffic is mobile. And so if you're not paying attention to how your website looks on your phone, that's not a very good deal. So real quick, when you say landing pages, are you talking sending people to like their homepage or are you creating a separate page just for whatever they're trying to market towards. Yeah, so you'll hear a lot of people say that you need a landing page. And depending on what you're doing, yes, you might. Mm -hmm. We'll get a little bit more into that in in a future episode about, Jake mentioned disruptive versus search-based marketing. But if it's deep enough in the funnel and the rest of your website is in good shape, you're okay sending it to various pages of your website that aren't dedicated landing pages. But when you start going further up the funnel. You start doing Facebook where you're trying to capture people's attention as opposed to what they're already looking for. Building out landing pages for offers is important because you are persuading them as opposed to just giving them what they're already looking for. And I do want to clarify too. So the the term landing page too can be very general or it can be very specific. It's, It's a little subjective. So everything is a landing page. If somebody lands on your homepage, that's a landing page. If somebody lands on somehow your privacy policy, that's a landing page. But when we talk about landing pages for ads, we're talking about a page that is specific to the offer and content of your ad. And if that is just your general retaining wall page, it's not a good landing page, but it's a, it's a landing page for that ad. The other thing is called conversion pages, which are really the same thing. They just have a form on it and they're just meant to get a user to take an action. But all landing pages technically are. I've noticed in a lot of these groups, there's a lot of arguing between semantics and it's yeah. at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Yeah, and I... I don't honestly see a lot of landscapers that are creating landing pages specific for their offer. They're just sending them directly to their website. And then that's where I think a lot of people can improve their ads and everything. You guys are going to love the next podcast because we're going <laughs> to, we're, yeah. we're going to, we're going to talk about the discrepancy between what Facebook reports and what Google analytics actually yeah. tells you. It's pretty crazy. You guys showed me this before we talked on this. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I want to talk about, it's something that you guys had actually introduced me to. It's called lo- local service ads. You mind talking a little bit about that and what they are? Yeah, so it's another type of Google ad, but it doesn't go through Google ads. <laughs> it's very confusing as far as marketing goes by Google. They haven't done a, a great job of keeping things straight. But theoretically, if you run Google ads in addition to local services ads, you could show up four times on a search result because you have at the very top what is your local services ads. And for what it's worth, then you have your normal search ads, your map pack, which is like Google Maps, and then the organic listing at the bottom. But the very top now, um, they've started showing these local services ads. And the biggest appeal about them is that instead of paying per click, which is what you're used to with regular Google ads, you can now pay per lead. So you pay directly for leads. 
and then you're able to even dispute leads that aren't in alignment with your profile when you specify what your categories are, what kind of services that you offer. So it's a very appealing and attractive concept, especially for bootstrappers, guys who are you know trying to stay lean as much as possible. And it's honestly, it's one of those things that we would recommend if you want to do something, but you're not ready for us and you're not scared of tech because <laughs> it's pretty easy, but it could still be confusing if you're not used to the various softwares. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Some of our clients, they run local services ads themselves and they don't, they don't get us involved, which is totally fine. And uh, they're relatively simple to start up, but they have that Google guarantee badge at the top. If you ever, if you look up Landscaper near me, you might see like three different cards at the top and some of them might say Google guaranteed. These just mean that they went through a background check when setting up the local services ads. But uh yeah, they're relatively easy to set up. So if you want to want to start running ads, you know, Google local services ads and make sure you go directly through Google. Uh, there was somebody I don't I don't think it was in your group, but it was in some other group. They were saying, yeah, so there's like a four hundred dollar setup fee, and you know, it's X amount to run it. I was like, there's no setup fee to run local <laughs> services ads. If you're running directly through Google, it is only uh, your ad spend and then what you are bidding per lead. So there, it's very similar to kind of. I don't want to say it, but it's uh, it's the the industry four letter word of home advisor. <laughs> it's very similar as a cost per lead standpoint, except people are actually contacting you and not home advisor. They're your leads, and uh, I would say I think the cost per lead is roughly the same. It depends on your service area. We have a landscaper in Orlando paying like thirty six, thirty seven per lead for landscaping. We have a guy who only does fertilization in Texas who is paying seventeen per lead. So it really depends on your industry and the service you offer, but um, they can be really effective, especially like Cody said, you appear four times on the first page of Google if you have good SEO and you are both running search ads and local services ads. Something else I'll just reiterate too about the categories. We get this a lot where people say, uh, hey, we only want these types of leads. We're like, we don't get to really decide that. (laughs) I would love love for us to just flip a switch, right? And we're like, okay. (laughs) None of these, just take these. And we can do some of that with Google Ads, right? If we're targeting certain keywords, we can pause those ad groups to say, okay, well, we're not promoting this right now. Well, local services ads, you can actually just flip a switch. You can say, I don't want these anymore right now, right? I want to accept only you know, retaining walls, not fertilization right now. And you can do that. So that part's very cool because there's nowhere else yeah. where we can really do the same thing. In fact, our Orlando client, we we're like, hey, landscaping leads are 36 bucks a lead. And we broke it out by separate, like, I think we had like irrigation and like subcategories, like irrigation, retaining walls, and I don't know, there's something else. And she came back to us and said, hey, we only want to do irrigation. If the landscaping lead category in Orlando is 36 bucks a lead, we only want to pay that for our irrigation services. So we just flipped off the switches for the other two subcategories. That's really nice that you guys can do that in Google versus like Facebook. You're kind of limited to a lot. You're restricted a little bit more, at least from yeah what I see. <laughs> yeah, and it and, it, and you know, and it is top of funnel too. Like with Facebook, no one's searching for you. Whereas mm-hmm. you go to local services ads, and people are like actually searching for specific services. And you're like, you know, it's at the, at some point, what is your determining your your target cost per acquisition, which is a topic in the next um, podcast. Is if you were to give me money and I could guarantee you a lead, how much would that be? And that's what local services ads is. Well, I guess we'll we'll end on that note because. I can't wait to get into the next episode because we're going to dive into a lot more, a little bit more on, on, on tracking and all that stuff and attribution, like you guys said, and the KPIs. That's that's something that I like to learn a little bit more about myself, a little bit, be a little selfish here, but <laughs> but 
Do you guys have anything else you want to add on the structure and SEO versus ads first or anything like that? Just make it simple, make it user-friendly, and you don't need to get too granular. This isn't rocket science. I literally have a cup that says this isn't rocket science, <laughs> except it's from it's a cup from NASA. So then it says, oh, wait, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> nice. But, uh, uh, but it, it really isn't rocket science. You can do this on your own. You don't need to hire somebody. It, it is time intensive. Mm-hmm. But just make sure you're getting your information from the right sources. If someone makes it sound too complicated, chances are they're probably they probably just want you to use their services. I guess I have one more question for you guys, and it's something just popped in my head. I get people asking me, you know, where should they go to create their first website if they can't afford to hire somebody like yourself, a professional that does this all the time? Should they go to like Wix, Squarespace, WordPress, GoDaddy? <laughs> I think Cody and I might have differing opinions because um, <laughs> we're both going to say WordPress. You should go to WordPress. But the problem with WordPress is there's a huge learning curve and it is very difficult to set up to a point where it's like very easily editable. I want to write a blog post on our Evergrow site about how to set up a WordPress website that's easily editable. Drag and drop editor, you know, anybody can do this because I really want to cut that learning curve out. Also, if a client comes to us and say they already have a WordPress website that's set up how you taught me to, that's awesome. but um, a lot of people do Wix I don't like Wix for two reasons first reason is because there are some big SEO people out there um, such as um, Barry Schwartz who is a a really well known SEO person in the Google community who has run tests between one website that's built on WordPress and one that's built on Wix and the one on WordPress always outperforms Wix the second reason why I don't recommend Wix is because Sometimes we use SEO tools that crawl the website and point out different SEO issues or give us an SEO health check. For some reason, Wix websites, the crawler never makes it past the home page. Something blocks it. I don't know what it is, but that scares me when you consider Google also has to crawl the website. It's been said that there isn't an issue with it from Google or Wix, but I just, I don't believe that. So I, as an easy interface to work with, I recommend Squarespace to get set up if you're not ready for the learning curve of WordPress. Cody, what's your thoughts? (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) It's one of those things that all things considered, when you think about how much else you're taking on and that this is just one aspect of your business, right? Sorry, I should clarify. If you're thinking with the mindset that, yes, eventually I'm going to just pay somebody else to do this and I'm just doing this to get to that point, Wix isn't the worst. You could do worse than Wix. Yes, please do WordPress if you can. (laughs) And then Squarespace sites, they look great. And they do experience less problems compared to Wix. But if it's between I'm going to do nothing or I'm going to make a Wix site, okay, that's fine. (laughs) I I agree with Cody. I do think Wix is actually easier to build on than Squarespace. It's way more intuitive and drag and drop. So yeah, I... If you're listening to this, um, maybe listen to Cody more than me. I, I get too technical, and too <laughs> I just I'm just I'm just hot against Wix. <laughs> yeah, but well, I, I mean I do see a lot, of, especially in our academy, we get a lot of people who are just getting going, or only been going, you know, for a couple of years, and you know, so they can't afford to hire professionals, and and that's one of the biggest questions I see. And, and honestly, I I don't really have a good answer because I never dealt with both of them. I've always had WordPress, and just I was a geek like that and learned it all. But yeah, kudos <laughs> but, to you. <laughs> yeah, big flex. That's awesome. It does take some time and there's a pretty good learning curve if you've never done it before. So that's why I was kind of curious what your thoughts were on it. I will say Wix, don't get your domain from Wix or Squarespace. Get your domain from like GoDaddy or get it from, we recommend hover.com. 
simple domain hover.com. There's no strings attached to their domains. We're not an affiliate, don't worry. <laughs> but GoDaddy likes to kind of charge random things that should already be included, like add-on. And they also have like weird domain locks where you're like your domain's locked into GoDaddy for a year or so. Hover doesn't have any of that. And Wix and Squarespace is even worse. They lock your domain for longer. And if you make a domain change, they institute like another like 90-day domain lock. So get your domain from somewhere else. But your hosting and your website obviously will have to be with Squarespace or Wix. There you go. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you hopping on here. You got time for a few quick questions? Yeah. yeah. All right. And you guys, whoever wants a name or answer these or you both want to answer, <laughs> that's fine. All right. All right. What nickname have you been called that you hate? Or do you have one? Uh, or can you say it on here? My, yeah. No. <laughs> um, this is embarrassing. My family calls me Jakey Bear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was there was a very funny story in eighth grade. I left my phone. Um, I'm dating how young I am because I had a phone in eighth grade. Um, but uh, I left my phone at, at the beginning before school. Everybody kind of congregated in the, in the lunchroom um, before the bell rang. And then I left my phone on the table and somebody returned it to the office. Well, in my first period math class, the intercom came on and they literally said, well, my home, my sister took my phone and she changed my home screen name to Jakey Bear. <laughs> and and they they um on the intercom for the whole school they would Jakey Bear please come to the office. <laughs> and that's all they had to go off of. <laughs> so that's I just like slowly stood up from my desk and just <laughs> walked out of the room. Awesome. I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't have a nickname, but I, I will say a very short story of Jake and I. So when we filed our business together um, Jake hadn't, we hadn't really gotten to know each other that well yet. We're good enough to start a business, right? But we weren't as close as we are now. I thought his name was just Jake. Thought that was it. So that's what I put his name as. And our lawyer double checked and he's like, you sure his name's not Jacob? I'm like, no, nah, he told me it's Jake. So I called him later and he's like, it's Jacob, you idiot. I'm like, <laughs> why didn't you say so? Should have said something earlier. I, I, I have a, I have a few friends who call me Maddie few close friends and so that's why my name on facebook is maddie jake hunley and it's not a very good business practice because <laughs> when people do reach out to me from like landscaping business owners like they refer to me as maddie and then i call them i'm like hey it's jake with evergrow and they're like who <laughs> <laughs> nice nice all right um uh, what is your most unusual talent i don't know if it's a talent but it's something that eats up a lot of my time now and uh, i study japanese so yeah, I'll go with that. That's cool. Um, yeah. I've been teaching myself how to juggle. Nice. <laughs> it's not okay. it's not super exciting, but but I have been <laughs> able to do that. I'm also double jointed in my wrists, so I can like put my hand flat on the table and then spin it all the way around. Oh, um, that's impressive. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> I don't I don't have amazing talents. <laughs> I'm not a talented this, individual. This is our talent. Business okay. is our talent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just work. Work. Works your talent. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last one. Describe your sense of humor in one word. Dry. Oh, that's hard. Um, <laughs> um, slapstick. Okay. There you think, go. Yeah. I was going to say something to the effect of only I think it's funny. <laughs> but if we put hyphens between all those words, I think it's one word. Okay. <laughs> I like it. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you hopping in here. Can you mind uh, letting people know how they can reach out to you and get a hold of you if they're interested? And, and where can they actually find you on the website? Yeah, so you can find us uh, on evergrowmarketing.com. Just all one word there. 
And then uh, you can either you call us, our number's on our website, our email's on our website, fill out a form. If you fill out a form, it's easier for us to take a look at your website before so you don't have to waste time on the phone uh, diving in. And Or you can just reach out to me on Facebook. A lot of the guys in your group do that. My name on Facebook is Matt E.J. Cunley or Evergo Marketing on Facebook. And uh, yeah, just reach out to us and um, we can talk about either working together or we can send you in the right direction. Appreciate the guys. Appreciate you guys being on here. And I look forward to... Uh going in the next episode yeah thanks for having us thanks scott all right guys hey everyone just want to thank you again for joining us today if you enjoyed today's podcast we do ask you for one quick favor could you please head over to itunes and leave us a review a five-star review is even better but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message 